This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money. Reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. From HR, finance, and procurement forms to student-facing forms like IEPs and device consent forms, paperless workflows powered by Adobe Sign create digital experiences in schools that make life a little easier for the entire campus community. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in EdTech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On today's show, we have a smorgasbord of the interesting content and pointers that were recently posted to eSchool News. These include conversations with Frank Catalano on what the EdTech industry event scene is looking like for 2022, as well as a discussion with Barrett Puchas, Director of Information Technology for Brevard Public Schools in Florida, and a winner of the eSchool News Hero Awards about how his story on protecting his district from a ransomware attack last year. But first, I want to dive into some stories as we start here into October. Unfortunately, the pandemic is still very much with us and affecting millions of teachers and students who continue to wrestle with hybrid and remote teaching strategies. Uh, it really is sort of a, a bad news, good news scenario. Uh, you know, the bad news is obvious. I mean, so tired of, of talking about the pandemic and the traumas that it's, it's, it's put upon everybody. If you step back and maybe look at the, the good news, teachers and students have become incredibly adept at using these new technology tools. And it looks as if those techniques are, are going to stick around. More and more of the stories I read about, again, from the, from the perspective of the negative, uh, which is COVID and, and school still being shut down, there is an interesting take on how you know, this greatest beta test in ed tech history is actually proving to have some successes. There are a couple of pieces, pieces recently posted to eSchool News that, that point to those realities. The first uh, by Kerry Larkin, who's the Senior Education Advisor for Education Partnerships at, at Lexia Learning. She wrote a piece called Five Learning Strategies That Are Here to Stay. Here's strategy number three. She points out that you should leverage technology to narrow target gaps. Students are coming back to us with resilient and strong with a new set of skills. Students and teachers will also return hurting. We have experienced significant trauma, either directly or through watching friends and family grapple with all the events of this last year. Virtual platforms can help teachers to individually diagnose and target narrow skills that may need recovery or that may need to be built from the ground up. When we come back to the classroom this fall, we should consider narrowing which skills need more practice and recovery as accurately and deeply as we can. That way, we're not looking at kids or teachers from a deficit model. There's another insightful piece that resonated, and that was written by Jenny Torres, and she's Vice President of Curriculum at Waterford.org. And she compared the current global trauma to her experiences in the classroom after Hurricane Katrina. She writes, after the initial emergency passed and life seemed to settle into a routine, the stress remained. 
residual trauma existed from the variety of experiences related to evacuation, loss of home, loss of family, fear for family members and friends who are left behind, anxiety for those putting their own lives at risk to save others, and the exhaustion from returning to the reality of trying to rebuild. Stress became a constant, and when the pressure continues over long periods, the brain and body are impacted. That's a sentiment I've heard from several folks, especially experts in the social emotional learning field that you know, we kind of focus on the, uh, the learning loss when it comes to numbers in, in, in math and reading, but maybe the most important thing this year is going to be grappling with those behavioral issues uh, as students try to come back to whatever a new normal is. You know, one other silver lining, if we want to call it that, although it's a bit cliche, uh, is the renewed communication via Zoom, via different platforms, between faculty and parents. I know as a parent myself, I've spoken more with my kids' teachers uh, in the past 18 months than I have in the past 18 years, uh, BP, before the pandemic. When you look at tools like Zoom, where it's certainly not effective to be teaching to a class of 40 kids from a computer screen, it is a lot more effective to have a one-on-one with a parent-teacher conference or a counseling office, or even um, some school board meetings have been found to be more effective on the Brady Bunch style online uh, versus maybe some of the in-person toxic dynamics that you might find uh, when you're meeting with folks face-to-face. So to talk about that, I reached out to Frank Catalano. He's the uh, chief marketing officer for Parent Square. Uh, he's also a longtime industry veteran that I've had the pleasure of speaking with in person. These days, of course, we're, we're still online, but have a listen to where Frank talks about a recent uh, report that they just put out called Effective Family Communications from Content to Cadence. Okay, Frank, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here, Kevin. I want to talk a little bit about the differences with your role. Now, I've known you for a number of years, but with your, your more recent role, uh, coming at the same time where there's these brand new dynamics when it comes to the communication between teachers, administrators, the school district, and parents. Uh, you know, as with anything else, there's a BP before the pandemic, and then hopefully there'll be an after the pandemic. Right now, unfortunately, we're still during the pandemic, but many, many changes, many, many different dynamics changing, but one of the most important ones, and maybe hopefully one of the positives that may come out of all this is a, a is an improved communication using technologies, both uh, synchronous and asynchronous, to keep a dynamic going with the family. Can you talk a little bit about the, the research that you guys have done? Uh, and the recent report that you came out that kind of gives advice on how to to best improve those relationships. Kevin, I think it's it's extremely accurate to say that the importance of being able to reach families wherever they are, wherever the students happen to be, became really clear during the pandemic and has continued since then. I mean, it's been, uh, we haven't seen at Parent Square with our unified communications platform, any drop off 
in the interest in the technology. Now, the technology is just a piece of it, right? There's still an importance of being able to talk to students individually in person, talk to families in person. Uh, paper is not going away as a means of communication. But we really haven't seen any change in the fact that there is a huge interest that has been, the pandemic just accelerated the interest in technology for, um, for school to family communications. Matter of fact, at COSIN, Consortium for School Networking, uh, released, released its IT leadership survey earlier this year. And for the first time ever, they asked about parent engagement to CTOs. I mean, that's not what you normally see. And 95% uh, of those in the survey said they changed how they engaged with families during the pandemic, 52% expanding the number of communications channels, things like, you know, text messages, emails, uh, social media, and so on. And so, the, I mean, the hope, uh, I guess the expectation will be that once we go back to whatever normal will be, that hopefully that these dynamics will be in place and be kind of set up for, for going forward. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, basically this is infrastructure, right? This is core. And I think what's important then is to realize now that you have the communications infrastructure in place or you've modified it, how do you effectively communicate? How do you make sure you're reaching all those families? How do you make sure you're not overwhelming them with too many emails, text messages, in-app notifications, and so on? Which is why we created uh, the Effective Family Communications Best Practice Guide that we did called Effective Family Communications from Content to Cadence. And of course, being an analog kind of guy from time to time, I've actually <laughs> printed out all 16 pages of this. Nice. So it's nice. Not a nice graphic, you know, but, uh, but yeah, this is a free, a free downloadable guide that we have at parentsquare.com. But the intent is with all these new tools out there, you have to ask yourself questions about, you know, who are you communicating with? Who's doing the communicating? What are you saying? Who's your target audience? Is it like the entire school or is it just parents of first graders? When are you timing? What's your timing for sending out messages from all these various places? Are you hitting parents when they can pay attention to it, for example? And finally, how do you measure what you're doing? Do you have a dashboard to take a look at who you're reaching, who you're not reaching, whether they're engaging, and are they satisfied with the communications? Not just your parents, but staff. They've got to be happy with what you're doing too. So this sounds almost like districts need to have a degree in marketing as much as it has to do with the, the technology platform. Well, as somebody who works in marketing, obviously I, I'm biased in that direction, but I wouldn't say it's as much marketing, but just put yourself in the shoes of the person you're trying to get the attention of. Mm -hmm. That's really what you're trying to do with families and also with teachers. A lot of these tools are used for staff communications as well. Parent Square is one of those. So you, you have to kind of think, okay, what would I be receptive to? When would I be receptive to it? Would I be receptive to an email with a lame subject line that just says principles update? Or would I be receptive to an email with a subject line that says, update, uh, dance on Tuesday, RSVPs required tomorrow. So, and all of these are factors that we talk about in the Effective Family Communications Guide. Things like, you know, don't do long paragraphs of, of great text. Use bullet points. Keep stuff short. You're probably not going to respond as a teacher or administrator to something that is text dense with a, a lame, flat headline. Yeah. You're going to open something and read it because it makes you want to take action. The same thing occurs when to parents and families. Well, Frank, thank you so much for your time on this. Now, we will have a, excerpts from the report up on eSchool News that you'll be able to see uh, right below this interview, and also a link, obviously, to where you can go and download the full report. So thank you for putting these sort of ideas and insights together for a, a, a wider audience. And uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that we will be out of this mess soon and that if nothing else, 
we'll have a new and improved way in which you know, communities can communicate with each other. I think so. And I think I should also point out, we have an infographic that might be useful to people too at the same place on parentsquare.com, which says what kinds of communications channels are the most effective for certain types of communications to families. So that might be a, a useful quick reference to people. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Frank. All right. Thank you. You know, one topic that may have slid down the headlines because of COVID, but is nevertheless still a, a really major issue for school districts is that cybersecurity uh, and specifically the rise of ransomware attacks against districts around the United States. The tale of Brevard County Schools in Florida was one that really struck with our judges this year in the 2020 Hero Awards. And in conversations with their director of IT, uh, you can really hear the new roles and the new practices that districts have to engage in every day just to keep their network safe. Have a listen. So when I look at these cybersecurity issues, uh, there seem to be two sides of the coin, right? There's one, they're enterprise management, kind of old school corporate, you know, firewall, protect the server. Uh, as you said, Barrett, just kind of like that, just kind of like a, a battle of algorithms, we'd yeah. say, right? And then you had the other side of the coin, which is the softer side, like the, the behavioral, the, the importance of uh, data security literacy when it comes to administration and staff and students, and now parents, right? When you have remote setups and hybrid setups. What, talk a little bit about what, how you uh, emphasize those two different sides of the coin. So that's tough, especially, as I said, we've got a small group. So tools like PDQ help us handle the, the algorithm side. We can keep things patched. We can query to see what has what uh, vulnerabilities still or what has which software on it, um, what versions we're running. All the, uh, all the boring stuff, I call it the nerd stuff, the stuff that'll put most people to sleep, right? And tool, tools like PDQ make that doable for a group like mine. And I've got other, you know, besides my network group, I've got a tech at all the schools and they're the primary users. They keep all the workstations up to date and all their school servers up to date. But then the people, you know, we're a big organization, as you said, I think we're right around 10,000 uh, employees and uh, any organization that has 10,000 employees has turnover. So keeping employees trained, keeping it's a, it's a constant task, just keeping everybody aware. So, um, you know, we're just, we're trying the stuff that had previously been off limits. Uh, you know, now it's, now it's all on the table. We've expanded password requirements. We're doing multi-factor authentication across the board, uh, everybody, from a, you know, a, a teacher to a district-wide administrator, everyone's using multi-factor. Uh, we're launching, launching um, phishing simulations, and that's kind of fun. You got to put on your black hoodie, and then you design up a, a quick little fish and toss it out to a group of people and see, see if, you, you know, our group competes to see what percentage they can get of, uh, of responses. Okay, well, that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of Innovations in Education. Uh, don't forget, there are a lot of other exciting new resources just posted in September up to the eSchool News website. There's a new K-12 personalized learning guide, which includes great news resources and, and company profiles. Uh, I also had the opportunity to have a couple great webinars from Epson and, and Screencastify. Also in the resource library, there's a section there where you can find some great white papers, best practices from leading innovative companies like Lightspeed, Hazel Health, iStation, 
ENA, Cognito, Skyward, Spectrum, and others. That's why it's important to visit eSchool News every week to stay on top of the latest innovations. And remember, it's always free for educators and always helping the innovators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News. Once again, this episode of Innovations in Education was brought to you by Adobe Sign. Be sure to join us November 3rd at 3 p.m. for our upcoming webinar, sponsored by Adobe Sign, entitled Back Office Innovations in K-12, where our panel of experts will discuss how automating your district's various workflows, from staff onboarding and one-to-one -one device management to digitized e-signature consent forms, can improve the user experience for administrators, educators, parents, and students alike, while also saving time and money. Go to eschoolnews.com to register.